Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. The Sellout with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hey there, and welcome back to The Sellouts. I am Mitch Sherman covering Nebraska football for The Athletic. Max Olson, national college football writer for The Athletic, is here as always. It is the end of the week, week four of the college football season, kind of an uneventful one in Lincoln, unless, of course, you are obsessed with kickers. Uh, but perhaps it is the and I calm- think you know that we are. <laughs> we are obsessed with kickers? Yes, yes. We are. <laughs> I, we have been I think all on this season. podcast, it's, it's pr- been pretty well documented at this point. I mean, if you, if you had a pie chart of the things we've talked about, uh, kickers has, <laughs> kickers has got a pretty good chunk at this point. Should we try to just ignore kickers altogether this week? I think that might be a good a good idea. Or this no, 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 no. I I I gotta know. Okay, there's a new kicker. I assume, Mitch, based on the research you've done, you can tell me the life story of Matt Waldrick. Walduck. How do you say you, it, you, Matt Walduck? You would you would assume wrong that I cannot. Yeah. I heard everything I needed to know about the new kicker today when Scott Frost said that he would not be on the travel roster to Illinois. So I figure I've got at least a week. He doesn't have a jersey number at the moment, so that does make sense. Okay. All right. But he came from the the Bug Eaters FC uh, club team. He's he's a Cubs fan from Illinois, apparently. And according to his bio, which he has a very, very small bio on Huskers.com, he has not played football since 2016. (laughs) Can we... um can we proclaim this podcast to be anti-Cubs just right now? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you with okay that. with that? Yeah, the All head right. coach isn't okay. okay with that, but I'm okay. All with right, because I because I feel like I feel like the Cubs thing has a little bit too much sway in the Nebraska football world because the head coach is a Cubs fan, and um, we're going to be this little segment of the Nebraska football kingdom that doesn't want to hear about Mm -hmm. the Cubs. I don't want to hear about the Cubs. I don't like the Cubs. I don't care if their kicker is a Cubs fan. I don't care if their coach is a Cubs fan. I'm done with it. And I'm headed to Chicago tomorrow, so I hope I don't don't run into anybody. Cubs uh, got you fired up to start this pod. Yeah, well, it's okay. We can can move on from the Cubs. Yeah, so this is maybe the calm before the storm this week. Uh, We are going to get into a few things today. We're going to review the week. We're going to talk some quarterbacks. We're going to get into injuries, and I think we're going to talk about some freshmen and maybe the possibilities coming into focus of who's going to redshirt and who is not. So would like to start with a review of the week. Max, you were at media availability to hear Scott Frost on Thursday as he wrapped things up. What did you take away from those valuable seven, eight, nine minutes? Yeah, not very much. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I think the the storylines were pretty well hammered on Monday. Obviously, um, they're they're looking for a road win. It's been a long time since they they've had a road win. Um, they'll head out there uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, you know, I, I think I think overall you feel like uh, things are steady right now. I, I I I don't. You know, I think it was a good week of practice for this team. I I don't see this staff panicking about where they're at right now. Not to say they're selling Illinois short or anything like that, but I think they know, um, you know, this is the kind of game that they they should be at the point where they can take care of business in these. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, I I don't think Nebraska is so good right now that uh, they can take any game for granted. Yeah, I think the schedule has set up well and that you have Illinois to lead off the Big Ten. I don't know that Nebraska would 
would feel comfortable with the way the non-conference went if it was Wisconsin or even a school like Northwestern that's had so much success against Nebraska and the Big Ten leading off the, the, the league league play. It, it works out well, but yeah. you know, a month down the road when you're in the middle of, the, of, of things in October, you, you know, you may not feel the same. You may wish at that point, if you're Nebraska, that you had a week of, of a week to get ready for Illinois. Um, I, I, I quickly want to address the injury situation. There's not much new here other than the fact that Brendan Hymas, Nebraska's starting left tackle, did practice at least in the latter portions of this week in pads. I'm not reading anything into that. I don't think he's going to play on Saturday night in Champaign. I also doubt that Cam Taylor Britt is going to play, although I think there's more of a possibility with him. I think they're just going to try to get these guys healthy for for Ohio State. Do you get that uh, a similar feeling? Yeah, and I guess I mean, look, you're not going to get much information out of Scott Frost when it comes to these things. The fact that they're back in pads and back in practice, it tells you, you know, it's not a, a, sh- a surgery situation. These guys aren't shut down. Um, so I think overall, you'd have to call that a positive uh, for where they're at. Um, but yeah, you know, do do they need them for this one? Uh, not sure. Not sure that that's the the number one priority right now. Um, but encouraging, I think nonetheless that uh, it's not more serious because those are two two guys that um, I think have, have shown so far are, are very important to to where they're going. But yeah, other than that, I think you feel like they're they're in okay shape here going into this one. Yeah, I've got to say I was surprised to hear on Wednesday that that Hymas was back and 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 doing all right. I, I thought it would be a week or so at least before he got out on the practice field, and and that's certainly what it looked like on Saturday night when he was down on the turf. But he's there. We'll see if he plays. There will be some intrigue in the warmups. So if you're interested in the way things are going on, on Saturday around five thirty six o'clock. Uh, get on Twitter and look for me. I will be sure to be down on the field in Champaign and um, investigating pregame warmups on the offensive line and in the secondary, and of course, at kicker for Nebraska. So from there, um, we are into week four. So we are just toward the end of the period where you 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 can be a freshman and have played in every game and then decide to shut it down. This is this is a new thing as you know Max in college football. We it debuted a year ago. And I think there were some unexpected outcomes last year. Uh, there certainly were at Nebraska where you had a couple of players decide to leave the, leave the program 4 weeks into the season. I don't expect you're going to see anything like that this year. But there is a little bit of intrigue in who's redshirting, who's not, and maybe to get more into it, how you decide to play who and when if they are, in fact, going to be a four-game redshirt. So, you know, how do you think this issue affects things outside of Nebraska? And, of course, we'll address it with some of the freshmen impacted by this at Nebraska, too. Yeah, I think um, you know it, it seems like you know this is this is something Scott Frost has talked about. I, I think they uh, are are pretty thorough in, in going through the roster and looking at uh, each player's you know individual situation. Do they have the redshirt year? Uh, what do they need from them? Um, you know, I, I, a good example of that would be uh, Jakeem Green, who who we talked about uh, you know really at the start of the season as as a very important very last minute addition uh, for their defensive line uh haven't needed him so far uh, he's still kind of catching up and getting right um uh, and and Scott Frost said today he feels like uh that that makes more sense as a as a four game red shirt situation if they can do it 
Um, but I, but I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's an interesting option because, uh, you, you can make these decisions in an ideal world of, Oh, it would be great to get this guy four games and, and get five years out of him and all that. But, you know, weird stuff happens over the course of a season. Um, and, and I think you kind of can't, you kind of can't take some of these things for granted. You never know when, um, you know, you're, you're going to need the Brock Bandos of the world to step in, or you're going to need backup kickers or whatever it may be to, to step in and, um, you know, play critical roles for you. So, uh, how, you know, how they handle that over the course of the season, I, I think they probably have an ideal sense of how that, how it should go, but, uh, certainly could change, you know, uh, as, as you have injuries or you have, uh, players struggling with confidence. Keem Green, as he is known, mm-hmm. the first three letters of his name have been removed from uh, the roster at Nebraska. He is Keem Green. He's just Keem. Um, this Good for him. Keem, yeah. Uh, six foot five, 315 pound defensive lineman has not played in a game yet this year. And I got a question in my mailbag that is is up on the athletic site and app on Friday morning about Keem Green, why he hasn't played, you know, why the narrative was different before the season about him than it is now. And I think he's just a great case of a kid who comes in late and just isn't in the kind of shape to be able to do it from the get-go. So right. those things are good to know when you when you enter a season. Um, and that's I think I think that's where the, the, it makes the four-game redshirt especially beneficial because if Nebraska was in a spot where it didn't have the defensive line depth that it does, Green may have gone out there and played in the opener, and they realize very quickly a game or two into it that he's not ready to go more than a series or two before the intensity level drops off a significant amount. And, you know, you've, you've suddenly wasted a year. Um, Nebraska is not in that position because of the depth at defensive line. So he sure. clearly is a redshirt candidate, and that was confirmed by Frost here late this week. I, in looking at the other guys, I want to go through the true freshmen real quick. Miles Farmer at safety has played in one game. You have Dylan Jorgensen, the walk-on kicker who's played in two. Garrett Nelson, Quentin Newsom, and Wandale Robinson have played in three games apiece. I think it's safe to say they're playing all year. They are not redshirting. Sure. And you've got Noah Pula-Gates who's played in two, and Luke Reimer, uh, also a walk-on who has played in one, just that Colorado game where he recovered the fumble on the kickoff. So right now you're probably in a spot where just three of the true freshman scholarship players are are, are bypassing a, a redshirt this year, which um, you know maybe in the evolution of Scott Frost's program is a bit of a surprise because of some of the talent gaps that existed when he came at the end of the mm-hmm. 2000 end of 2017. But um, you know we'll find we'll find out if a couple of those guys. Um, who, who I listed, who have played one or two games, get a shot to to step up and, and go over four this year. Well, good example last week, you know, um, suddenly they needed Bryce Benhart to play, you know, and that's something that you haven't really seen very, very frequently. In fact, uh, in the history of the program, he, he's only the 12th true freshman offensive lineman uh, in school history to play in a game. Um, so you never know. I, I think things pop up and suddenly you need the depth. Um you know, I, I think some of those cases like uh, Noah Pola Gates are, are interesting because uh, if a guy is making his contribution on special teams, uh, you know, certainly you've got a lot of guys in your squad that can do that. But if, if he's made his if he's earned his way into that, then you, you kind of you hate to, uh, you know, not give the red shirt. But maybe that's there, there's enough impact there that it's worth it. And, uh, you know, one that was asked about today, certainly I'm, I'm sure folks are curious to see. 
um, you know, is, is Luke McCaffrey going to appear, appear in a game here? Um, or, or, or I guess when is he going to get his four appearances or up to four appearances? Uh, would be curious to see if, if, if this game, uh, gets away from Illinois, if that's a situation, uh, where he would get some opportunity, um, Certainly, they're pretty happy with where Noah Vedral is, but uh, but McCaffrey is a guy that I think a lot of people, a lot of folks, will be curious to see uh, if he can even just get a drive or two in some of these games. Yeah, and and I think the 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 the, the decision there that has to be made is: Do you play him as a traditional quarterback as your number three quarterback? He's going to get very very limited, if any, opportunities as long as. Adrian Martinez and Noah Vedral are healthy. But if you can get creative with him and find a way to use him as a receiver, um, to use him when another quarterback is on the field in, in, a, in a hybrid type role, then I think perhaps McCaffrey can be of real value and you can find a way not just to get his feet wet in four games. I mean, clearly a quarterback is not going to play special teams where a guy like Pulla Gates or, or, or Newsom can be valuable for you this year, mm-hmm. or Farmer, um, or, or, you know, receivers. Um, but you know, good, good I, example here too, uh, you know, Ramir Johnson's probably someone where it's up to Ramir Johnson, like that, you know, he, he got in against yeah. Northern Illinois, carried the ball three times, um, f- for where their running back situation is at. I think it's how he practices over the next month and how he uses his few reps he gets. will will tell you, is this a guy that's going to play more than four or not? You know? Yeah, Ramir Johnson's another one. And I didn't mention him. I didn't mention Bryce Benhart as having played in one game. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, and then I didn't mention Darian Chase, who who got into the Northern Illinois game too. So I'm looking at uh, an outdated player participation chart. It, <laughs> it, it appears, but uh, nonetheless, there there the only there are only three guys right now who look like they're set to skip a redshirt, and it's not as easy. In, in conclusion, and, and and I asked Ryan Held about this this week, Nebraska's running backs coach, and it was in partic- particular about Ramir Johnson, in, in how you decide what games he's going to play in, and and I don't think. It's as easy as I may have thought, or I think some fans think, as we're still young in this process of the four-game redshirt rule, mm-hmm. where you can just decide that, hey, Ramir Johnson would be a fantastic weapon to have, or a fantastic um, ace to have in, in 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 your you know something up your sleeve against Wisconsin or Iowa. So let's save him for those games. You know, if if he was of that kind of value to Nebraska then Nebraska's in a position as a program where I think it would be playing him in 12 games. Sure. Um, pretty pretty simple right there. But uh, not to say that that Ramir Johnson or Luke McCaffrey may not develop into one of those guys as they progress through the Big Ten season where they want to use him in more more than four games. But right now, it just does not appear that way. Well, hey, and, and I think overall, you, you mentioned this, but I think overall for the development of this program, I think you'd have to call it a, an encouraging thing that um, you, you aren't seeing Nebraska trot out lineups there that are full of, of full of freshmen at this point, you know, um, and, and that could change over the course of the season. But, um, you know, I think when you give those offensive linemen and defensive linemen time to uh, develop, when you're not asking uh, guys like Nick Henrich to, to, to step in right away as true freshmen and be as good as you think they're going to be, um, you know, I think that's encouraging, I think, for the, the kind of the long-term trajectory um, and, and there are certain guys like Wandale Robinson that, you, you, you know, throughout the recruiting process, they're going to play a ton as a freshman, but I, so far in this class, I don't think it's a, an indictment of this class at all. I think it's actually a, a good sign of, um, you know, at least having enough experience at enough spots that, uh, you're not having, having to ask, uh, the Quentin Newsom's of the world to, to, uh, you know, be game changers for your defense. 
Absolutely. I think that's accurate. Definitely not an indictment of the class. Hard to do that after three games, but uh, uh, nonetheless, I think some people but might this think is, that. This is, we, this is, uh, this there's is plenty of that going on right now. There's plenty of jumping to conclusions going on right now. This is Nebraska where, yet again, and we, have, we I didn't think we would see this this year, there are some cries for the backup quarterback. And you saw Noah Vedral come in <sighs> late in the game in the fourth quarter on, on Saturday night and lead a nine-play touchdown drive, completed a few passes, got guys involved, ran the ball all right, looked pretty good running the offense against a worn-out Northern Illinois defense. So, Max, you have spent a lot of time in Lincoln in your life, and you are new to being back on the scene this year in Lincoln, yeah. First, uh, your first weeks around the Scott Frost program on a, on a, in, a, in a close proximity. What have you heard around, uh, around the Nebraska camp um, from the outside that people are saying about Noah Vedral this week? I, I don't get it, Mitch. I really don't. It's like kind of driving me crazy. Like I, I I've seen and, and and look, I'm not trying to give this uh, more credence than it than or, or or make this sound like it's a bigger deal than it is. Okay, because I know it's probably just a small faction of of the base that uh, seems to be very concerned with the with the QB one. Um, but you know, I'm here to tell you, it's going to be okay, guys. Like it, this is not the time to panic and start throwing out hot takes that Noah Vedral gives them. Uh, you know, a better chance to win. Um, Scott Frost did talk about this today. He he said, uh, you know, he he was asked kind of where Noah is, and and he said, um, you know, that that he's playing at a level now where he thinks he can uh, that he can help them win games if he was called upon. They 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 really like the confidence he's playing right now. I think you saw some positive signs uh, in the Northern Illinois game, but um, it's bizarre to me to think that 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 there are folks out there who are concerned enough about Adrian Martinez's play. Uh, that that they would think maybe the the backup uh, gives them a better chance. What what do, can you wrap your head around that? I don't know. They have the same completion percentage, Max, sixty percent. So, oh my gosh. Um, no, I I mean, look, Scott Frost is is one to be very sensitive to this subject, and you know he lived through this as a quarterback at Nebraska. Yeah, no if doubt. we go way 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 back, and you know he had Frankie London breathing down his neck, and the fans were all over Scott Frost. Um. <laughs> It is program no, I, tradition. This is not That's that true. kind of a This situation. is historic tradition that the backup is more popular. Yeah, and, and I did not intriguing. think it would happen this year. I didn't think it would happen with Adrian really at any point in his career, but um, it's nice, and he can identify with Scott Frost in a new way now because they have they have both lived this. And, and, and I don't think it's on any level like it was for Scott no. Frost in 1996 or even 1997 um, to to have clamoring for the backup, but you know it's, but if it's Adrian, all right like, for Nebraska. If he throws like three picks against Illinois, you're going to hear people being yeah. like, "I don't know," you know, which is you, you which would. is nuts. Yeah, it is. Adrian is the best guy, so I, I think he, we can just- he's okay. Just to put it in perspective, in, in his career so far, he's averaging nearly eight yards per passing attempt. Uh, which is the best by a Husker quarterback since Joe Gans. He has the best completion percentage. Uh, through his career so far since Joe Gans and he's only played in 14 games. I mean, it's, I think the thing to me, it's just like how quickly if we've forgotten about uh, Tanner Lee and and two years of hyping him up to, uh, you know, into trying to talk yourself into believing that he's the savior. Like there's an actual good quarterback here now, probably their best in a decade. And he's, you know, he's going to make mistakes still because he's still super young, but my goodness, we got two more years of this. Like, uh, you know, buckle up. It's going to be pretty fun. 
Enjoy it. Adrian is here. He's in the seat, and he's and he's going to stay. But you know, right, you're kind of seeing quick. it with you're kind of seeing it with Trevor Lawrence too, right now, aren't you? You know what I mean? Like, and I know this happens you every are. Yeah. every year. Like, you know, look the the year after Jameis won his Heisman at Florida State, he threw a ton of picks. He didn't play very well. When Sam Darnold threw a ton of picks at uh, USC in his last year there, there was a lot of scrutiny and stuff. That kind of comes with the spotlight. But like, I don't know. It, it's just I I don't I I, I just don't get it. Like, it, it, this has not been. A, a brutal start for Adrian Martinez. And, and I think you were reminded against Northern Illinois a couple times, like the drive to end uh, the first half there. He can do some pretty special stuff now when you just kind of let him cut loose, you know? Absolutely. All right, guys, real quick. The Athletic just released a Georgia Bulldogs podcast called Damn Good Podcast. It's hosted by the Athletics' Seth Emerson, along with ex-Georgia linebacker Rennie Curran and senior writer for the Athletic Atlanta, Jeff Schultz. The guys released their first episode yesterday previewing the upcoming Notre Dame game, so give it a listen. Click the follow button on Damn Good Podcast show page for updates when new releases, new episodes release. So, Max, we introduced the Ask the Sellouts hashtag Mm. last week, and would you believe we have some questions here in the queue I last would year, like we to got get two, to them. Last week, we got two questions. We have more and, than that. Uh, this we week. pleaded with with everybody to to send us more questions. And and this week, how many questions do we have? We have more than two. That's that's. We'll leave it at that. Uh, to start from Hank Scropio, what do the Huskers have to do on Saturday to make you truly believe they have a shot at beating Ohio State? That's a good question, and I, I'm interested to hear your answer. Um. Yeah, it would have to be a real take care of business game where they put it away early, mid third quarter, huge lead, uh, more takeaways on defense. You know, Martinez plays a clean game. It would just kind of take that very optimal performance that we feel like they're capable of. We, we saw for the most part last week, other than the special teams um, debacles and stuff. Uh, I think it would just take a clean game and a pretty, pretty uh, just like a kind of overpower them and run away with it. I, what do you think? I think next week has more to do with Ohio State. I really do. I think it has more to do with the Buckeyes coming to Lincoln and having a first-year coach and a first-year quarterback and getting into a place that they've not, those guys have not been together and panicking. I think the, the, the talent gap is, is, is significant enough between these two teams that Ohio State is going to have to blow this one in order for Nebraska to have a shot. And now it can't happen. It's happened before mm-hmm. for Ohio State. It's happened the last couple of years on the road in the Big Ten West. But I don't think Nebraska's in a spot, regardless of what it does on the road at Illinois, to just stand there and go toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes. They are going to have to mess it up. That um, so, in, in other words, there's nothing that I will I can see on Saturday in Champaign to make me think that Nebraska is going to go out and put a hurt on Ohio State. What what if Next the answer question. is like hold on hold on what what if the answer is like the opposite? What if they have to play like really poorly and just barely survive that game, and then Ohio State kind of spends the week writing them off, and then they have a, a better chance of pulling an upset because the Buckeyes like just don't take them seriously at all. I kind of think Ohio State's going to write them off regardless. Now I know Nebraska <laughs> played Ohio State close in, in Columbus last year, but you know Justin Fields wasn't running that show. Uh, I, I no, you know, they they only had a first round quarterback at the time. That it was it was a much worse situation. Correct. <laughs> isn't that isn't the, isn't that the guy at every position every year for Ohio State? Just another <laughs> first round guy. <laughs> I 
Now, I don't think Ohio State's looking at Nebraska and, and, and is going to be scared no matter. Nebraska can go beat Illinois 79 to nothing, and I think Ohio State's going to look a little bit past them. Now, they get into the stadium on Saturday night, and that may not be the case because it's going to be an environment you know that's, that will remind them of, of the horseshoe. Um, and, and that's a benefit for Nebraska because this isn't this isn't a veteran team at the key places for Ohio right. State. Now, I mean, you can go and tell me about all their stars and they've got a senior here or this or that. I'm talking about the head coach and the quarterback, the people who are going to prepare this team. They are new to this. They are susceptible for something to happen, no matter how talented and and how skilled they are. So it's okay. as simple as that for me. Fair point. Are we Fair ready point. to move on to the next question? We are. Okay. From Slam Seaborn asks us, are you surprised at the development or lack thereof in the receiver room? We are only at the beginning of year two, but I think it's a valid question right now, given the talent presence on the roster. When will we see the first Walters era recruit put up JD Stanley Morgan type numbers? Well, I mean, Stanley Morgan put up great numbers last year and he was not a Scott Frost recruit, but uh, he was coached by Troy Walters. So I, I give Troy Walters credit for what Stanley Morgan did a year ago. And I'll give him credit for what J.D. Spielman is doing right now. But it's a legitimate question about developing top-level receivers. I, I don't question Troy Walters' ability to do that. I think they need to recruit some size, essentially. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for, I mean, there's certainly a po- possibility that by the end of this year, um, you know, one of these these smaller wideouts they have can end up with a thousand yards just on the fact that they're going to have pretty big yards per catch numbers and stuff. But um, yeah, I think it's recruiting more size. I, I think it's developing the guys they have uh, that have kind of the frames for that, but but don't come in kind of ready made. I think that's just going to kind of how it's, it's how it's going to be most years where you have guys that. Um, you know, they're not really in the mix for the five-star wideouts until they really get this thing uh, rolling. So it's going to be more developmental guys who have speed, but, but have kind of uh, these more wiry frames. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I, I think Troy Walters is, is doing a fine job. It is, a, you know, it is a little concerning that you didn't see kind of more of these guys uh, step up early in the season, but there's, I think there's still plenty of time for that to happen. Interesting to stand on the sideline before the game at Memorial Stadium on Saturday night and to see Xavier Betts of Bellevue West, who's the mm-hmm. top-rated player in the state of Nebraska as a, as a prospect for 2020, with the other recruits down there in the in the northeast corner of the field. He's bigger than everybody on the Nebraska roster at, at receiver right now. So hmm. they, you know, they could use him to stretch the field, yeah. and um, presumably that opportunity will be coming a year from now. Yeah, got to get him in, but I think that's um, that that's an encouraging piece um, uh, for sure. And and you know, I, I I'm sure Troy Walters is not sleeping on this. I'm sure he's he's uh, pressing his his young wideouts all the time that hey, the opportunity is here. Somebody's got to step up and make some plays for us. Okay, last question comes from Oliver Brawning with a Mario Verduzco avatar next to his Twitter handle. I like that with the good cigar too, so that's good. He says, where would you rank the talent level of this team compared to other recent years? I think it's comparable to 2013 and 2014, but I also know very little. Now, those were nine-win teams at Nebraska, as all Bo Pelini teams were. So, um, you know, it's a it's a certainly not a not a bad team you're you're comparing it to if that is the case. Um, How how do you see this? Not necessarily in comparison to those teams five and six years ago, but uh, just the overall talent of this group, maybe maybe compared to other programs in the Big Ten and and what you've seen nationally, Max. 
You know, honestly, I, I'm going to leave this one to you because I, you know, I didn't get to cover those teams kind of up close, um, quite quite like you did, and, and a lot of folks around here did. So, I mean, what what what's kind of your um, kind of gut take when you when you hear that question? Well, it may it takes me back to 2013 and 2014 when it was a little bit difficult to get a read on Nebraska's talent because in Nebraska at that time, and I think the I think the thing that Bo Pelini did uh, worst. Um, as far as building his teams was he didn't take into account the difference in the kind of player that was needed to win in the Big Ten versus the Big 12. And that was still early in Nebraska's uh, transition to the Big Ten. And they had essentially a Big 12 roster. And it didn't translate all that well when the Huskers got into games that really mattered against Wisconsin, against Ohio State, against Michigan. Overall, that those were talented teams or fairly talented teams by by a, a Big Twelve standard. And not to say that the Big Twelve has a different different level of talent than the Big Ten. It's just a different kind of talent. Um, you know, clearly more speed oriented. Uh, the defense is going to be structured different. The offense is going to be structured different. Different kind of linemen. Um, you know, they're different kind of schemes. So it's hard to compare them. Um, I think that team would have done those teams would have done better in eleven through fourteen. Those teams all would have done better had they stayed had they still been in the Big Twelve. Then they then they they fared competing in the Big Ten. But to uh, you know stack them up man for man, um, you know I think Scott Frost teams are making ground in a, are gaining ground in a hurry. And I think what happened Saturday night in Lincoln is a statement about where Nebraska is talent wise in comparison to where it was two years ago. This was a team, as sad as it is, that lost to Northern Illinois two years ago in that stadium, 21-17, almost exactly two years to the day, and they went out um, and won 44-8 on Saturday night without playing their their best football. So that, to me, is somewhat indicative of the the, um, the, the ground that Nebraska has gained in two mm-hmm. years, but sure. they're not there yet. I mean, they've got they've got quite a ways to go to be on the level uh, with the team that they'll see in Memorial Stadium next Saturday night. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. We, time to move on to some uh, predictions for Illinois. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, key to the game. Would you like to go first with your key to the game? Yeah, sure. You know, I was talking to a, a Nebraska staffer yesterday who brought up a, a point that I hadn't really thought thought enough about uh, w- with where they're at. And that was, um, you know, they said, we're not a good third quarter team yet. Um, and I think you've seen, uh, I think the Colorado game certainly stands out as one where there was an opportunity there um, to go out and, uh, you know, uh, kind of step on the throat there. And I think they were feeling themselves a little too much in the locker room at halftime and feeling like they had this thing when it was far from over. So um, I think this is one of those weeks where you kind of start to uh, start to change that. Um, And, and I think, uh, or or if it's a close game at halftime, then um, you know, you can't, you can't start slow in the third. I think this is uh, a good chance for them to kind of uh, put the the foot on the gas there in in a game that they should win and, uh, and take care of business. Cause like I said at the top, I mean, um, I think being Ohio State is going to require precision. I don't think Illinois uh, requires quite as much precision, but if you make a few too many mistakes, you can lose this game. You know what I mean? You're just not good enough to play okay and win. So um, I think how they start the second half is is the big deal. You got a score for us? Uh, I will go – I'll say Nebraska – 
Well, they're not going to make a field goal, right? So let's just take Don't those fall words. in that trap again. <laughs> uh, I'll say 35 to uh, 20. Man, you know, I was, I'm not even going to tell you what I was going to say. I, I, I was going to... No, we'll talk about that off... Uh, off the no, 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 no. Say it on the pod. Give it to the listener. That's the score I had, but I'm I'm going to change it. I had the same <laughs> score. So, but but we can but agree. I, it can be a unanimous no. thirty-five yeah, twenty. That's silly. Thirty-five twenty. So literally, no I'll, one is keeping track of our predictions on these. You got to keep that in mind. So I, I know it makes but it, absolutely no difference. I'm going to go forty-two twenty-eight. Okay, and say that forty-two twenty-seven. Give Illinois. Give Illinois two field goals. Forty-two twenty-seven. Nebraska. So we both got Nebraska winning by fifteen points. And I will say the key to the game is how Nebraska starts. The Huskers have started well in all three games this year. Uh, generated a lot of energy. I think they've they've benefited from being in in well a a mixed yet energetic environment in Boulder, and then of course in front of their home sellout. Uh, crowd in weeks one and week three, and, and this is going to be different uh, in Champaign. It's not going to be a full house. It's not. There's not going to be a lot of juice in the building, and Nebraska will have to adjust to that and and find a way to kind of self start in this game. And if it can do that and 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 get off to a two score lead in the w- the way that it has in its its previous games, then I think that that bodes well. And and for me is a key to this victory in week four for the Huskers and a key to getting them to three and one as Ohio state comes to town next week, which would make it a lot more interesting for everybody around Lincoln in a few days. Hey, so so, that, so quick question ahead. for you there before we yes. go. So you said 42, 42, 21. 20, so they're making all the extra points, no blocked extra points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got confidence in Lane McCallum. He can okay. make extra points. Now, I, I don't do know. Too. I don't know if I have as much confidence in in the guys who are blocking for Lane McCallum, but uh, well, hey, I, I'm going to go. I guess you I'm don't know you have a problem until it gets exposed. So hopefully, you you would think they would have solved that this week. Yeah, you would think, but we'll find out on Saturday night. So that is a wrap for this episode of the Sellouts. Please listen to our show, like our show, subscribe to our show. Remember, we'll be back on Monday with another episode for subscribers to The Athletic every Friday. The episodes are free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks a lot.